What up, everybody? And thanks for joining us right back here on the Boot Sports Network for yet another rousing episode of Boots to Balls. We're all warmed up, ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you for all you first-timers. Again, I am David Storm, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans. It is so nice to have a voice back. Wow. Saints! It's great every time. I'm Donald Dunn, everybody. Uh, I'm going to try and cheer you all up because that was a rough weekend in Louisiana sports. All right, so don't rile me up quite yet because uh, we're going to talk about it. Going to ease into it. And I'm angry. I am. I'm angry. And I have... Can we just kick it to the comments first? Let's do that. Let's let's try that. All right, so we're going to kick it to the comments. Uh, this is a segment where we give a little shout-out to all of you guys who send a little love our way. There's a, a number of different ways yep. that you can be a part of the show. We are on YouTube. Let me just make it easy for you. Go to bootsportsnetwork.com. Yep. Bootsportsnetwork.com. That's where you can find us on YouTube, all the audio-only podcasts. You can leave comments. Leave predictions because we call uh, we guess some of the games yeah, later in the show. If you agree, disagree with any of our comments, we always welcome your um, feedback. There, constructive criticism. So I mean, you know, let's let's be nice, but you can disagree with us. Go on over there and let us uh, let us know what you think. Some of the the greatest comments this past week. Uh, Jess Lefty thirteen thirteen said, "Go Saints!" I wish they would have. Yep. She said, "I enjoy your show each week." Well, thank you very much. We enjoy having you listen to the show each week. Beyond Kino, 1664, and Landon Malvich, 8475, gave us a big Go Tigers. We wish they would have as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are the only, the only that I'm aware of, uh, Louisiana sports podcast that has the Easter Bunny subscribed to I it. think so. The Easter Bunny Mathematically, 6-1. I think we have to be. One of our subscribers comments uh, just about every show. It says, great show, interesting facts, and comments. Oh, thank you very much. Indeed. That's what we try to do. Uh, N.A. Moore, 1279, had my second favorite comment mm. of all the comments. She's, uh, I, I don't know if you're a man or a woman. I don't know who you are, but the comment was, eat clock. Just two words. Just, just eat clock. clock. Talking about how we, we made a big deal yeah. about the time of possession. And I wish they would have. I wish they would have. Hmm. And then finally, Jack Vincent Music 6785 with my favorite comment of the week. Team David Storm! Followed by a bunch of emojis. Mm. I have no idea what I have done um, to, to earn your favorite. To earn that sort of love and appeal. But Jack Vincent Music, I humbly thank you. All right. We have kicked it to the comments. Make yep. sure you get your comments in there. We'll kick it to you next show. Let's just get this over with. Yeah. Hold on. Yep. We promise it's water. I don't promise nothing. Saints lose their second straight 26-9 against the Bucks. Here's what's got me the maddest. Now, I, I sit here and I open the show and I yep. tell you I'm the PA announcer. I'm part of the organization. Yes. And as such, I try to toe the line. I try to remain objectively optimistic. Company man. I am. I am 100% a company man. I'm a fan. I believe in the product. But as a fan, woo, I'm angry. I'm so, I'm angry. I'm not upset. I'm angry. This loss and the aftermath, tremendously frustrating. And here's why. As fans, we were told that things were going to be different this year. 
We went out. We got our veteran quarterback, mm-hmm. one that I know, I know from conversations with people close to that choice, that Dennis Allen wanted Derek Carr prior to last season. Drafted the man. Couldn't make it happen. He did, back when they were with the Raiders. We have an offense that is loaded with weapons, but yet somehow is ranked 23rd in the league. 25th when it comes to total rushing yards and yards per game. 21st in total passing yards and yards per game. We are currently tied with the Steelers, Jets, Raiders, and Falcons for 29th in points points scored and points per game. Mm. Having only scored 62 points on the year, 15 and a half per game. In contrast, our defense currently ranked 11th overall. How about that? Just on the fringe of a top 10 defense. Flip it. Do it the other way. 12th in passing yards allowed, 11th in rushing yards allowed, and 9th in points allowed per game. 76 total through four games. That's a 19 points per game average. That's called elite. That's outstanding. Absolutely. So you know what that says to me? What it screams to me? Our defense is a problem. It's a problem. And here's why I'm mad. Because for weeks now, uh, even when we were winning, yep. by the skin of our teeth, we have been told week in and week out, we know the offense isn't good enough. We know that there's room for improvement. Mm-hmm. We know that we're not playing as well as we could. And there has been no improvement. Nope. Only regression. Which shouldn't be possible. And, and you know what? I, I don't know if I catch heat for, uh, for this or not. Derek Carr had no business playing that game. No, he didn't look ready. Business, he just didn't play in that game. Now, I, I don't know how he feels. Yeah, I, I'm not part of the team. I don't get a chance to have those conversations. No. And I don't know that Jameis would have necessarily been any better. But Derek Carr didn't practice all week because of his AC joint sprain until the limited practice he had on Friday. Now, we've talked about this prior. Yeah, right especially coming into the first week when we were trying to figure out why there were all these miscommunications, miscues, interceptions, incompletions. You know what? Maybe Derek Carr just didn't have a lot of communication with the team, didn't build up a lot of chemistry. He only had one drive in all of preseason. So he doesn't have game chemistry. No. He's got practice chemistry. I mean, he gets a chance to run a million reps with the teams in practice. But you're not playing full speed. You don't have an opposing con- or division defense trying to take your head off. Yeah, when it's third and eight on the 25 and you're trying to stay in a field goal range for Blake Groupie. Correct. It's it's very, very different. And not to say Blake Groupie has to be within the 25, yeah. but I get your point. It'd be nice. <laughs> it, it'd be nice if they got within the 25, they could find the end zone. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's it's the same thing. You spend a week seemingly game planning for the better than likelihood he's not going to be ready to play yep. which means Jameis is taking all your first snaps absolutely all your first team snaps you were game planning all week long for Jameis Winston to be the starter in that game only to throw it out the window on Friday for what is a game time decision on Sunday ultimately yeah now, I'm sure they're professionals. They probably had like a plan B where they yeah. were thinking, well, if Derek's good to go, we'll X, Y, and Z it. But no, why would you? There was no reason to do that. Yeah. Jameis Winston, give him a chance to have a revenge game against, Put some against Tampa the, Bay. Yeah. I th- and then let Derek come back this week. Give him a week. And, and here's why I say that. Look, these athletes, they get phenomenal care. 
They can afford to get phenomenal care. They get health care that we as regular people don't have access to, cannot dream of. I rolled my ankle two weeks ago, and that some bitch still hurts. Mm -hmm. How are you going to tell me that he had an AC joint sprain by getting sacked the way he got sacked, was strong enough to knock him out of the game, and suddenly five days later, he's 100% good to go? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. He could have sat this one out, and I would have been perfectly fine with it. Not that I know for a fact that Jameis was going to do anything better. Yeah, there was no guarantee. But you know, uh, and, and, and it's not to say that I think that Jameis Winston is better than Derek Carr, because no. I've gone on record and said that I don't believe that Jameis Winston is better than Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback when he is 100% versus Jameis Winston at 100%. Jameis came in. They let Jameis go in because the boos in the dome were audible. Yeah. Fans were just as... It was picking up. Just as rowdy as I may seem to be now, they were so much worse. So much worse. Like, the boo birds were in droves, flocks. They said, all right, let's let's give Jameis a shot. And they put Jameis in when we're already all but beat. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jameis tries to make something happen, goes long down the field, and throws an interception. One play, one pass, yep. one pick. Okay, yeah. You could say that he's just as just as bad. Yeah. Would that have been the case if he played the entire game? I'm not going to fault a man for stepping up in garbage time, coming off the bench cold. You know, Sure, he shouldn't have thrown a pick. We know that, but... Was it anything worse than what happened through the rest of that game? Was he sitting there trying to dink and dunk and eat clock and trying to... No, no. He, he needed at that point, we've got to get down there. we got to get down there quick. I'm just going to put it up there yep, and hell there. Happens, hear yep. it. And, and you know what? <laughs> just not our day. Not our day. Not our day. Not close. But I think that it would have been a very different day mm-hmm. had Jameis played and given Derek another week to rest. I'd agree. Um from Derek's, that, from Derek's perspective, I think it would have been a lot more advantageous to say, look, we get it's a division game. We get it, you know, in the Dome. You want to get a chance to sort of write this narrative forming around you. But you need to be healthy to best do that. Well, and I think, and this is me trying to be the company guy. Absolutely. It's me trying to toe the line. It's me trying to see the grass on both sides of the fence. I could understand the mindset if I were Derek Carr. I have been brought into this city. There are expectations placed upon me. I know that I haven't played my best yet. I'm a competitor. I want to give. I'm good to go, coach. Let me play, coach. I want this. And and maybe it was a hard sell on Derek's point. And maybe Dennis Allen said, I don't know. No, coach, I can't. Just put me in. I I feel great. I feel good. I feel fine. And and maybe Dennis Allen against better judgment. Well, you know what? If you feel that good, let's let's go at let's it. Go with it. Maybe yeah. he saw something in that limited practice on Friday that made him believe maybe he can go, and and gave him the benefit of the doubt, and it just ended up biting him in the backside. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, you know, in in mentoring young broadcasters, I always teach KYA, know your audience. This mm-hmm. is KYB, know your body. Yep. Uh, there are people do have expectations. If you can't meet those expectations, there's nothing that says you have to go out there and 
force something that's not going to happen. Not, yeah, not in the position to do it. Give yourself an opportunity. That's why teams have backups. I mean, and the Saints and Saints fans yeah. understand that. Jameis Winston was out with a broken back last season. We've had quarterback issues for the last couple of years. Yep. If if we we were happy to find out that he was game to game. Yeah. That it wasn't like a dislocated shoulder was going to knock yeah, him out. Yeah, much less going into the Drew years where you have five games of Jameis Correct. or something like that. And, and you know what? There were a lot of people I talked to that went, why is Derek Carr playing? Yeah. There was a lot of people in the Saints fan base that just expected Jameis was going to play this Happily week. give him the week off. Correct. So you don't owe anybody anything no, in that regard. And And I feel like in that case, if... And this is something that only Derek Carr would know. Oh, absolutely. If you weren't 100% and you went out there and you tried because you wanted and you ended up doing worse because, or the team wasn't ready because the team had to throw out a week's worth of game planning, Mm -hmm. or your last-minute decision to do something had some negative impact instead of a positive impact, then that's... A thing that you have to look at. Now, I, I'm not saying that it did happen or it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. We but, don't know what the Jameis start would have looked like. But yeah. hypothetically, that's an option. Yeah. That could have been a thing. It could have been the thing that after that game Sunday, Derek went, mm, maybe I should have said something else. Maybe, um, maybe I wasn't ready as I thought I was. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. And, and the thing that that makes it harder for Saints fans to swallow is that it was a division game. Yeah. It's a division game against Tampa Bay. And For Tampa very Bay early first place. Right. Tampa Bay now takes first place in the division. And statistically, the teams in our division still are not good. No, not at all. Like there it is it is very easily anybody's division still. Yeah. It is early. There's no reason to think that the season is over yet. Even though a lot of people already will, if we don't do anything with the offense, and I'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But how much nicer would it have been if Saints come away with that win? Because Jameis came in, he was ready. Yep. They game planned for that for a week, and then Derek Carr comes back against uh, Patriots, Patriots yeah. this week in a game that. Yeah, it'd be nice to have an extra win, an extra mm-hmm. W in the win column, but it doesn't hurt you in the division if you lose. Exactly, exactly. I just feel like it was the worst possible game to to do that with. Uh, so the game happens. And here's another thing. Alvin Kamara returned. Yes. So Big, big point there. I was, I was in the Dome for this one, and I didn't even realize this until, uh, until we were in the Dome. And I... I being in the dome, I, obviously, I don't watch the games exactly. on TV afterwards. I don't know what happened, so I don't know if the commentators said anything about and it. They did. Oh, they did. They did. Yeah. About well, about about the, the return or about what I'm about air, to say. Air, yeah. Okay. No, about uh, what you're about to say here. So we we pre-show. Yeah. Alvin Kamara is currently tied with Marcus Colston for the title of Saints all-time leading scorer. They both have 72 touchdowns. Alvin Kamara scores another one. He becomes the Saints all-time leading scorer. Colson did it in 146 games. Alvin Kamara did it in 88. He's played 89, including that last one. We were ready to acknowledge that in a big way in front of fans as soon as he hit pay dirt. And we all expected that he was going to have the first touchdown, or at least one. He came out. He led the pregame chant before kickoff. The crowd went bonkers for his return. Everybody was, was ready on the edge of their seats for him to cross the goal line. That place would have come 
unglued. Absolutely. Expectations were high. The offense couldn't even get him close enough to sniff the goal line paint. Mm-mm. Like, so, and now we're two games away. Alvin Kamara is going to score a touchdown. Yeah, probably in New England. and He should. Uh, well, 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 I hope he does. I'd hope he would. Mm. After Holy. last week, I have questions. But now he's not going to do that in front of the home team. Exactly. He becomes is... a record holder in front of away fans. Which, I mean, congratulations hey, on the on the record. record's a record, yeah. But you want to celebrate that in front of the home team. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want to have him sit on it until he's back in front of Jacksonville on the 19th. No. You got the Texans and you got the Patriots in between. Let that man score his touchdowns. It just would have been nice for it to have happened in the Dome. And to I'm have, sure the to have a chance for it to happen, even at that. Correct. Um, so this is what has my frustration bubbling over into days into the week after the game. In a post-game press conference on Monday, Dennis Allen said there would be no staff changes. All right, I get that. Yep. A staff change at mid-season. four weeks in, mid-season, that's hard. Were you just going to pick up another staff member? Whatever member you choose. Yeah. No, no that's not going to happen. But he also said there would be no changes to any play calling responsibilities, adding that he's, quote, never seen that to be the right answer, particularly when you're four games into the season. And yet we have to be better. Four games into the season, I don't think anything is drastic. I think we'd be ridiculous. I think that'd be ridiculous. And yet we have to do better. Yep. And look, we'll find out this week. Two weeks ago, everybody was feeling great. You have a couple of losses, and everybody thinks everybody wants to think the sky is falling. I don't think there's any panic here, and yet there's a sense of urgency. End quote. This is very difficult for me. Yeah. Um, because I am a big fan of the Allen family. Absolutely. I am, and not just because I'm a Saints guy. I know members of the Allen family. Yeah, good people. They are fantastic people. And I, back when he was a candidate for the head coaching job, I wanted him to get the job. I was pulling for Dennis Allen to get the job. I want him to have the job. I want him to be successful. Yeah. I, I want great things for his family and nothing short. Um, two weeks ago, everybody was not feeling great. Mm-mm. Two weeks ago, everybody was feeling... Glad we got those two. Exactly. That was lucky. Our offense needs to get better. And we've said that. Derek Carr said that yep. after winning. He's, oh, the whole team is saying it. Correct. And and then they haven't. They got worse. Derek Carr got injured the next game. We end up losing a 17 a to nothing lead in the fourth quarter to lose by a point. And then we can't even score a touchdown. One. Not get a turnover. Uno. No, we did get turnovers, but yeah, like no, no big, eh, like we're going backwards. Yep, we would have been perfectly a okay, fine at two and zero if we saw things get better. I'd agree. They didn't. They got worse. If there's been you know a steady improvement on these deficient areas, and you would think you know you're getting Alvin Kamara back. Another huge offensive asset, if not the largest offensive asset on the team. You would think when you see these additions come in that some of those offensive woes you had whenever you were at the time relying on RB3 and 4 to carry you with Tony Jones and Keandre Miller slash Jamal Williams, 
that, you know, suddenly you get a whole new asset. You're able to lean on that running game, put Derek Carr in some abilities to use the play action maybe, get some passes going down the field, and yet we saw passing yards regress. We saw the rushing regress. And now we're back to square one asking, how does this offense get fixed? The reason why fans think the sky is falling is because they saw when we were 2-0, and we were only 2-0 and because of the defense. Absolutely. And they have bought on the promise that the offense would be better, mm-hmm. and that promise has yet to be delivered on. They have watched for four games a less-than-desirable offense. The bottom half of the league, you can call it that. Bottom half? They're in the bottom ten. Yeah. You you talk about wanting to be a top ten team. They are in the bottom ten offensively in every statistical category. That's why fans are mad. We got this bill of sale all off season. Yeah. We got Derek Carr. We got ourselves a veteran quarterback. We got this. We got this. We got this. We got Olave. Rashid Shaheed is a monster. Mike Thomas is coming back. We're going to have Alvin Kamara. We got Jamal Williams in the Mm -hmm. offseason. Stackety, 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 stackety. No production yet. No production yet. And and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a player issue. I don't know if it's a coaching issue. But now Dennis Allen making that comment Says we're locking into that. That's a very certain... It's not we're locking into that. I, as Dennis Allen, am locking into that. Because if changes don't get made, and they have to. They have to. You're now directing all the blame to yourself. And you're the head coach, and I get that's where the blame should be. That's your job, yeah. Fine. But ultimately, if it was going to go there anyway, cool. But if not, now there's no avenue to say, well, things could have been different if Carmichael called uh, a different game. Yeah. Or uh, this uh, happened, unfortunately, because uh, the offensive line crumbled or Derek Carr made this decision instead. All of the onus is now on Dennis Allen. Yes. So if if they win, cool. Yeah. You did something. You made a change. And things have now gotten better. If we continue to lose or the offense doesn't, can, doesn't in any way progress, yeah. that's on Dennis Allen now. And that's something he's got to live with because, you know, let, let's look at the other side of it. Let's say you go pick up a win in New England. Let's say you pick up a win against Houston. You're coming back into the Dome against Jacksonville, one of the tougher opponents on your schedule, objectively, at 4-2. Four 4-2 and two. Four and two is not bad where this Saints team has been the past few years, where you're, you know, two games above 500. At that point, I'm sure you're at least near first, if not back at first in the division. You know, on paper, that looks good. But it's going to only feel good for the Saints nation once we see that the reason why we had those two hesitant losses, why there wasn't a great feeling after game one and two, is that that offense is starting to click in some way, shape, or form. You know, score two touchdowns would would make a lot of people very satisfied. Break 20. Break 20. Break 20. We're still waiting. Month into season. Hadn't happened. Break 20. That's not a high thing. No. It's not a big a big bar to set. Break 20. Break 30. You might have a party. Simmer down. Yep. Yeah, one, one, Simmer down. One thing at a time. Break 20. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. Just break 20. Uh, you know what? I don't even care if they lose next week, if they lose 24 to 21. Break 20. That's right. Show me who can do it. I am going to say, and this is the last thing that I'm, I'm going to say about it. Uh, I personally 
as a fan, believe that something has to change either with or about Pete Carmichael. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the arrangement was like when he was the offensive coordinator under Sean Payton, who Sean Payton was a former quarterback in the NFL. Offensive mind. Very offensive minded coach. He spent time under tremendous coaches, Bill Parcells and, yep. and the like. There is um, something to be said for this very interesting stat. In 2012, when Sean Payton was serving his bounty gate suspension, Pete Carmichael was the offensive play caller in Payton's absence. Yep. That season, Drew Brees' completion percentage dropped from 69 to 63%. That was his worst ever as a New Orleans Saint. Not his worst ever career-wise, but his worst ever as a New Orleans Saint. Google it. That's a stat. Yep. It's real. They finished 7-9, and nine, tied for dead last in the division that season. Something to think about. I'm not saying that history is repeating itself, but I'm not saying history is not repeating itself. And that that season was so unique because, you know, you had the not only the Sean Payton you know, suspension. Everyone talks about that one. You had your defensive coordinator, Joe Vitt, you know, interim head coach, also out six games that year. And the funny thing, this is a little tidbit before we head to the next segment here. You know the one game where the Saints offense shined that year? Was that the, the Indianapolis game? Who was in the building that game? Sean Payton. The one game he was allowed to attend because Drew Brees was breaking Johnny Unitas' record that year. Yeah, yeah. So, I forgot about that. Not saying anything, but we don't really I – don't, I don't, if I'm correct, we don't play the Broncos this year in the Dome. No, no, we don't. We got a long way to go to get to 60 this season. <laughs> <laughs> long way to go to get to 60. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. All right, so – what we want, we want 20 or better. How about I give you 10? Ooh, $10,000. Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish, they want to give you that $10,000. This is real. We're not kidding here. Yeah. Family Promise is an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore. They cannot do it alone. So for only $25 from now to December 15th, you can buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. Starting November 1st, right around the corner, they're going to draw for amazing daily prizes and all daily winners will remain eligible for the ten grand. i am going to tell you right now, one of those daily prizes, I am giving a pair of tickets to the Saints season finale against the Atlanta Falcons. 300-level suites, or 300-level tickets, excuse me, seats, not suites. Yeah. Uh, but they're good tickets. Uh, they are club-level tickets. You can access the clubs, see the newly renovated dome. Uh, so get on out there and do that. If you are a daily winner... All daily winners remain eligible for the $10,000 grand prize drawing, which will take place on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds. So get yours now at fpstp.org. That is fpstp, short for Family Promise, St. Tammany Parish.org. And the Boot Sports Network, we're here. And if you've been paying attention here, both on our YouTube platforms, Instagram, X, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you like to listen, wherever you like to see. Uh, we've been a little bit active recently. We've been sharing some good content out there. TikTok has really been taking off. Thank you all for tuning in, both uh, on our page and David's page here. Everyone has really been uh, appreciating the jokes as we try and get through the interesting times that it is to be a sports fan in Louisiana. And it gets better whenever you interact. So go ahead, be sure to hit those like buttons, hit the follow button, and turn on that bell notification. If you're here on YouTube, that'll give you notifications as soon as a short comes out. Or if we're putting out a whole new episode, you'll get it directly onto your device. And that is at the Boot Sports Network. Be sure to give us a follow there. Dot com. Dot com. Absolutely. All right. I'm sick of talking about Saints football. 
So let's talk. Let's talk about something else that made me angry this weekend. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll take over. I'll give you a moment to <sighs> to come back to it. Um, the LSU Fighting Tigers, a offensive juggernaut, one of a kind team, maybe a all time LSU offensive team. But there's this one thing that uh is not gonna be all time for the right reason. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Is it special teams? No, it's not that this year. It's uh, 711 yards of yards given up to the Ole Miss Rebels as LSU somehow is able to put up 49 points in the SEC and still lose. lose. So, in case you forgot what I said last week, yeah, and we just talked about all our, our TikToks, mm-hmm. you, can, uh, you can find this on the Boot Sports Network TikTok. You can follow mine, David yep. Storm. Uh, PA. PA. Um, here's what I said, word for word last week. I said, if LSU keeps it close, this Ole Miss team could find a way to beat them. If the Tiger defense could get to and contain Jackson Dart, it could be a good day to be an LSU fan in Oxford. LSU kept it close, could not contain Jackson Dart, who basically went almost step for step and stat for stat with Jaden Daniels. And there was a price to be paid for it. Mm-hmm. The LSU defense could not stop the Rebels running game. Of those, what was the the grand total again? Seven hundred seven eleven. Three hundred and seventeen rushing yards. Ooh. Sophomore running back Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss. One hundred and seventy seven. Congratulations of those. to him. Put Dude. on a game. Dude. Anytime you let a rusher get one hundred and seventy seven yards, high school, college, hey. pros, bro, that's a bad day for your defense. That's right. That is a bad, bad day. Bunch pale and a half right there. And, and I'm going to harp on it again. Yep, go Because ahead. people are listening. You know what LSU did not do? They didn't eat the clock. Eat clock. Say it with me, N.A. Moore. Um, I want to, just for a moment. It, it, just, it wasn't a bad time of possession loss. No, no. Um, Ole Miss had the ball for 30-43 in that game, which means LSU had it for 29-17. It was almost an even yeah. split. Here were the LSU scoring drives, all right? Six plays, 75-yard touchdown to Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, that it wasn't a 75-yard touchdown. Six plays, 75-yard drives, ended with a touchdown, Brian Thomas Jr. Yep. Two minutes, 35 seconds is all that took. Six plays, 70, 78 yards, capped off by Logan Diggs, one-yard touchdown run, 226 off the clock. Seven plays, 75 yards, Brian Thomas, 11-yard touchdown catch, 340 off the clock. Five plays, 75 yards, Kyron Lacey, 29-yard touchdown run, 44 seconds off the clock. Five plays, 44 seconds. Watch a pro game. See how many plays they call in 44 seconds. At most. Two. That's it. Just two. Eight plays, 85 yards. Jaden Daniels, one-yard touchdown run, 330. All right. Nine plays, 75 yards. Logan Diggs, 12-yard touchdown run, 439. That was the longest scoring drive LSU had. The last one, four plays, 55 yards. Brian Thomas, 34-yard touchdown catch, 153. Quick antidote. Shout out to Brian Thomas. Three touchdowns. Big game for him. It was a huge game for him. Would have been offensive player of the week, but... Mm -mm. Ole Miss's winning scoring drive, the one at the end of the game, Mm -hmm. started with 218 left to play on the clock. They scored in 218. 218. Looking back on those LSU scoring drives, how hard would it have been to slow down and eat some extra 
clock, 30 seconds here, Extra 30 first seconds down or two. there. That's about it. It doesn't even matter. Five plays in 44 seconds. Yep. Slow down. Just touch. Just touch. Slow down. Unless, and, and I apologize, I didn't go back and look play for play. If it was five plays and they were all incomplete passes yep. and you don't have the chance to run the clock, That's, okay, fine. Yep. But still, if you hand the ball off one time, Just even if your running back gets bit of zero breaks. yards, let the play clock tick, tick, tick. Let it go. Yep. Let it go. Especially if you're winning. In LSU, the fourth quarter. LSU's offense is so explosive. They can do great things. Amazing things. You're outplaying your defense. They cannot keep up with you. Slow down. Slow down. And it wasn't all uh, for the Tigers there. When you go to the end of the game, a lot of people get, you know, a little bit... uh, that's where people have their debates. You know, the water cooler talk when you get to work on Monday. A lot of people had some thoughts regarding should LSU have made Ole Miss repunt, Or they repunt, I should say, when the penalty was called. Basically, allow some more clock to come off. They chose not to. They chose to let the play go as it was. Debatably, some people thought that would have helped them. You look at LSU late in the game, snapping the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter. 27 seconds on the play clock. Should LSU have held the ball more? And that was things that LSU could control fully within their own right. And we can have that discussion a little bit more freely because when you talk about things that LSU can't control, when you talk about things that LSU is going to be subjected to, like Ole Miss's very much competent and efficient offense attack. Absolutely. Then you have to answer how are you responding? Not what are you doing, but how are you responding? And... Overall, the response was ineffective being nice. Yeah. And look, Ole Miss came to play. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Ole Miss. They are a top 25 football team. Absolutely. The issues with LSU are coaching. And, And I have heard it since Saturday. Everybody has just been jumping on the the, the defensive coach bandwagon. It's defense, it's defense, it's defense. Yeah, it is. But football is a team sport. That's right. The defense let Ole Miss outscore them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, they did. And we're going to get into a, a stat in just a little bit that will put that into crazy perspective. But there is a stark contrast between how good the offense is and how good the defense is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and that we will share statistically in just a second. If you as a coach recognize that, if you as a head coach recognize that. And form the strategy appropriately with it. You have to take all that into consideration. If I'm going to give away half of the stat now. If you don't mind, I'm going to give away the whole Go stat. Go ahead. Why don't you? Nationally right now, LSU has the fourth ranked offense in the country. Top five. Top five out of 133 teams, 133 college teams, LSU's offense, number four. The defense ranked 117th. They are 16th from dead last. Yep. And that's hard to do. Think about all of the cupcake teams that we've talked about. That Tuesday that, night action. They're in that 133 team number. That's right. You're telling me that... LSU's defense is only better than 16 of them. Okay. So, Coach Kelly, 
you've got to know your defense is not keeping up. And and that, uh, it was evident which, early on. Which he self-admits. Right. It he was doesn't deny it. So at one point, you got to go, all right, well, our offense is, I mean, it's easy to look back knowing the score. Yeah. It's easy to look back when you say all these scoring drives happen so fast, and you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. I get that. But if you have the confidence in your offense that clearly Brian Kelly does, you've got to be able to say, hey, let's give our defense a hand here. Yeah. Why don't we run a couple plays here? We know we'll, we'll get some big chunk pass yards here and there. But on on second and eight, let's uh let's run it up the middle. Yeah, whatever. We'll see what and then let's kind of dally back to the huddle and let's take a minute to get a play That's call right. in. Let's snap it at two seconds on the play clock. Why do we have to be balls to the wall all the time? Slow down. Speed kills, and it, it does. did this past weekend. Now listen here, you armchair casuals. Oh, I'm going to explain to you why. Not only is Brian Kelly, I'd argue, not at fault for, I mean, the coach is always at fault, but not as fault, and especially Matt House is not at fault as much as all of these casuals on the internet. That's all we get from him anyway. I'm actually very serious about this take. This is not a hot take at all because I have reasoning for this. We just came out of the Ogeron era, and a lot of people don't know this, but Kelly started with, I think it was 32 uh, scholarship players, correct? It was a very small and, number. And he had about six months to create an entire football team, having to go from the portal with the few people who stayed being freshmen. And he didn't do much with it. He just won the West in his first year, beat Alabama for the first time in 12 years at home. We had a better record in the past 20 years at their stadium than we did at home, for God's sakes. And almost all of these games – we're down to the wire, a lot of them. I was at Auburn last year. I was thought half the game, oh, my God, we might lose this, and then we came back and beat them. I brought the stat several weeks ago. Ole Miss, Auburn, um, I believe Mississippi State, a bunch of games, we were more than double digits down at the half. And this man, this man readjusted better than Saban. He has more wins than Saban. Throwing that out there, too, with less quality teams than Saban. Goat, by the numbers, he is. So when you get down to it, you have a man who runs a staff who also coming to a new school from Notre Dame with only 30 scholarship players brought a man from the NFL, Matt House, NFL talent, who's so good at readjusting, he won all those games. Now, a lot of those great defensive players went to the NFL. We are still in only his second year. And like I said, last year he only had six months to make this entire team. And he did better than Ogeron, with the exception of 19, did in his entire career when in terms of wins. And that's just the truth. So, uh, with the exception of 2018 as well. With that being said, I think that this is not Matt House's fault because Matt House proved last year in all of those games that he's a great defensive mind. I don't think this is necessarily even Brian Kelly's fault because he proved... He knows how to run a program. He proved that in Notre Dame. He proved that here. I think a huge issue is the reliance is I'm going to throw this on Ogeron. Because Ogeron left Kelly a dumpster fire of a program, 30 scholarship players. That's not even an entire team. And because of which, in the past, when a new coach shows up, they have the talent before them. A lot of less model success 
was because of Nick Saban, as much as I hate to admit it. Brian Kelly showed up to no, nothing, a nobody team. And because of which we still don't have great quality players, a lot of them defensively. And it's not necessarily that they're great quality players. It's that they have not had a lot of time to even get to know each other because they're all from the portal. They're all new recruits. And because of that, I think that's why we're struggling defensively. So I, I respect your points and I, I have counterpoints. Okay. Same, same. So, uh, Sean Payton, good coach, bad coach. Just good coach, bad coach. I don't know much about the NFL, so I really can't speak on it. That's why we make you produce. That's right. <laughs> so he is inevitably the GOAT when it comes to Saints quarterback or Saints coaches, rather. Yes, by far. He is the only one who has ever led the Saints to uh, one NFC championship game, much less Super three. Yeah, three. Three yeah, NFC championship games. One NFC championship game win, a Super Bowl appearance, and a Super Bowl championship. And an NFC championship stolen. Accurate. He has more playoff appearances, more playoff wins. He has more wins Combined. than any other coach in New Orleans Saints history. He is pooping the bed in Denver right now. Things are not going the well. The Denver Saints are just struggling. It's not, and it's right. So, at, at, to a point, there are, there are some things that are coach issues. There are some things that are player issues. You can't tell me that Russell Wilson is a garbage quarterback. He's not. He's a great quarterback. Yep. And while, yes, Sean Payton is dealing with a lot of our, and I hate to use the term, but hand-me-downs, yep. I'll say. is the nicest way I could put it. Those were all horribly talented. That sounded bad. They were incredibly talented players. There we go. There is the potential for a lot of things to happen there that are just not happening there. And I, I, I disagree. I don't think that that makes Sean Payton a bad coach, but I feel like he is not adjusting well and I'll take on a the fly. I'll take a different route on no, it. Yeah, go ahead. No, if you, if you want to make a point on that, make that point. Oh, yeah. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to a, another thing that you said here in a second. Yes, I'm going uh, to go to Producer Brett's point here. You know, you look at... The roster, because I think a lot of your point is made on the roster. Is that correct? Not necessarily the roster itself, but how the roster got produced and of how quickly it had to be put together. Okay, let me take a different route on that. I'm going to look at how the roster is being used. Did you know that one of the Weeks brothers has more tackles right now than Mason Smith? Start- Here's the fun part. You're starting to get on what I was about to... It's not the one that everyone wants to start. It's his younger brother, who is the freshman, who's the backup to the backup. This is where we have to have a thought process here, is that, okay, we understand that our coach understands the schematics. He understands the strategy. But where is the talent being utilized? And Brian Kelly brings this up in his press conference that, you know, who we have is who we can put out there. Obviously, LSU has been hit by some very unique injury and life circumstance challenges with its defensive roster. We understand that. However, when you have players who are being brought into LSU, all of them unanimously understood to be competent football players. This is not the low ends of the NCAA D1 no, to Mason D2. Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, Harold Exactly. All-American types. Correct. And these players are not producing at the levels of which their comparable counterparts are across the NCAA. Not meeting expectations for sure. That's a red flag. Now, I'm not going to 
throw Matt House under the bus. I'm not even going to start the fire Matt House conversation because everyone wants to do that. We don't need to do that here. I think we understand a little bit more of the nuance. However, it is Matt House, get it together. It is, let's figure out how we're going to use this talent because there's still eight games to go. LSU is not necessarily out of every trophy that they can win this year. It's going to certainly be a long road to getting to anything prominent, but they're not out of the competition for any major trophy, and they need to realize this and realize they have to go win now. They don't have a choice anymore. If they want to play for trophies, they want to play for championships, be it SEC or higher, you have to win every game. You've lost that privilege. I agree with you, but I don't even think they're out of the playoff conversation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because, because we're fourth best offense in the country, as Dave pointed out. Ole Miss, great football team, has to play Georgia. They're going to be beat. They also have to play Arkansas, probably going to be beat. Also, Texas A&M, they are going to destroy Alabama this weekend. Alabama nearly lost South Florida. Jimbo has Saban figured out. Every year they play him to the wire, with including the dumpster fire of last year. This time... Saban doesn't have the best players, doesn't have the best schemes. He's going to face Jimbo this weekend. Watch it. Reason I bring this up, you're going to have two, two loss Alabama. Assuming we win every game, we have a two loss LSU. We beat Alabama. Guess what happens? Assuming Texas A&M, dumpster fire, we win the West. You have a Georgia that which South Carolina made them look like fools and a Hugh Freeze Auburn made them look like fools. We easy beat Georgia. It's going to be real hard to justify an SEC champion, LSU, to not be in the playoffs. And I'm going to say this. All of you short memory people don't remember Tennessee last year because I was at that game, and everyone said, oh, we need to fire Brian Kelly. We need to fire Matt House. We need to fire Mike Denbrock. Well, guess what? We beat Bama. We won the West. I see no reason we can't do it this year. So the other point I wanted to make was you keep throwing out the words dumpster fire. You say Brian Kelly inherited a dumpster fire. That was, I believe if we go back and, and I believe those were roughly paraphrased what you said. How did LSU finish last year? Regular season. I believe nine and three. Right? Regular season, nine and three. Yeah. Right. And then they made it to the SEC championship game. Yeah. Would you call that a dumpster fire season? No, that was a great season. Hell yeah, it was a great season. So you're telling me, that Brian Kelly walked in, inherited a dumpster fire, put that dumpster fire out, made it a great season, and suddenly that dumpster fire didn't relight in the defense somewhere this season? Well, just in the defense. Well, what I'm saying is the issue is when you're a head coach, you have to – if anyone's played Dynasty Mode on NCAA 2014 – Sweet Jesus. Here I'm comes, joking. Here I'm comes Coach Candidate. Everyone, candidate, everyone right. knows that you want to keep having recruits of course. so that to continue the dynasty as it were. For were. reality, yes. You need a pipeline of quality talent. Brian Kelly was unable to make that pipeline. Because and he's not o- going to have it for a little while. Ogeron shut it down. And, and it's not because Ogeron shut it down, but also because of the, the things that Les Miles did. He's, oh, yeah. he's going to be limited in his recruiting for years. Yeah. Well, we'll say it you will about Les Miles. He had the best talent every year. You're speaking exclusively to his vacated wins, right? Um, the vacated wins and the penalties that are going to limit his oh yes for the, the, the LSU years, abilities yes. to, to recruit. We're going to have to get creative. Correct. Which is understandable. That's a part of, you know, 
Absolutely. I guess major college football. I am not. I am not trying to say that I think Brian Kelly is a bad coach. I do not think Brian Kelly is a bad coach. I think Brian Kelly is a great coach. I think Brian Kelly right now is so excited with the explosivity of his offense that he is relying on his offense to do to everything. Games. If you really want to rely on your offense to win you games, then you have to understand your offense also needs to play defense. Yes. And they do it offensively. Didn't they get several delay of game penalties calls, though, because they're eating too much clock? Some of them were more functional, things like uh, taking a five-yard penalty to back you up, which some people think you should have repunted. Five plays, 75 yards, 44 sure. seconds. And, and Four plays, 55 yards, hundred or minute 53. I'm going to make this last statement. Six plays, 78 yards, 226. Six plays, 75 yards, 235. People are talking about this Ole Miss game as though they beat us 60 to nothing. It was with it was less than a touchdown lead in their victory. Do I think a few more coach calls, better coaching calls, could have won the game for us? 100%. But it's very easy to make that those decisions from your armchair at home than on the field. Look, I think emotionally this feels a lot like St. Packers because you had a chance to theoretically win. If Jaden Daniels goes down there in 45 seconds, throws a touchdown – Damian Ramos comes on, kicks a field, kicks an extra point. We win, and we sneak out of Oxford. LSU is still, you know, pushing top ten. But you now realize because of what seems to be simple error, keep people from scoring seven hundred yards on you. Um, you're now at a great disadvantage, which the Saints fans felt, and now LSU is feeling good. Does it mean either team's season has to be washed? No, but it seems that. Now there is going to be a lot more constructing of a team and less of letting the team do its job. I will make one final point. I will ask a question. When your team scores 49 points and loses, whose fault is it? If you say anything other than the defense, you're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. Your I defense can't keep them games, out of the end zone for eight times. I mean, yeah, it's your defense. Obviously, it's not your offense. And that's all that fans but are saying. The fact there was a giant lapse in defense. And if the defense can't cut, cut the mustard yep. because they're bottom 16 in the country and your offense is top four in the country, get your offense to play and some I think, flipping D. And I think oh, yeah. another thing that we're saying here is that the defense by – quality of player recruiting ranking is realistically even at their hampered state top 70 top 50 yet you're seeing them struggle so heavily that's maybe the discrepancy so many fans are having we'll have to see what they do next week i think they have a much more <sighs> unique challenge because we don't see mizzou very often we aren't very yeah. familiar uh but you know the drink drink knows what he's doing up there we'll have to see we're gonna unalive them <laughs> I hope so. We have spent uh, the better part of an hour talking about oh the Two maladies that, uh, the maladies of this past weekend. So let's take sixty seconds and talk about a team that actually won winner? one. Tulane beat two teams this week. Hey. That's how good they were. Uh, UAB and the Zebras, uh, the referees. Uh, it was UAB's welcome into the American Athletic Conference, their first conference game, and the commentators made sure that you knew it. And the refs obviously knew it, too, because for the first half, you'd have thought the fix was certainly in for UAB. Um, there were terrible, terrible calls, terrible missed calls. 
The calls were so bad that the commentators were calling out and that, how bad the calls were. Ew. And they are like, you've got to stay objective. But they're like, no, this is this is kind of blatant. It's kind of hard not to. And I tell you what, it, we talked about our TikTok. Yep, David Storm PA on TikTok. Find it. That scene repost from it through the Boot Sports Network. I, we, yeah, we did repost it. It's on the Boot Sports Network TikTok as well. That scene from Adam Sandler's The Longest Yard, oh, yes. where they had to uh, convince the refs to call a fair game. That was Tulane's game plan for oh, the start absolutely. of the second half if the refs didn't get it under control. It should have been. They went into halftime trailing 20-14. to 14. Uh, The Tulane defense would show up in the second half holding UAB to only one field goal in 30 minutes, which was awesome. The offense was finally able to get a groove going. The refs seemingly either saw my TikTok yep. or the, the Boot Sports TikTok or they got calls from league officials or something. They felt because it. Because they started to dial back a little bit. I guess I didn't pay them enough. Why do we give him an open mic? <laughs> Tulane uh, eventually was able to come away with a hard-fought 35-23 to 23 conference win. But did anyone in the national media even notice or care? No. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Because they did sneak up to what would have been 30th in the AP top 25 from 30. The 33rd. climb begins. Well, I'll tell you what. LSU dropped 10. Yeah. Tulane up three. We'll see what happens after this past that? weekend. Well, I, not this past weekend, this coming weekend, and Tulane's actually on by. They're not Absolutely. playing this week. Exactly. Idle, as they like to say. Idle. But before we go into next week, let's talk about right now, and we'd like to take the moment to thank Tommy Talley and the folks over here at Echo Tango. Give them their proper credit as we utilize this space every week. We certainly hope you all are getting used to seeing it, that we certainly sound the way how you would expect. And it's all thanks to the great production facility we have, the ability to set up a wonderful set and get you all the wonderful camera angles that you would like. So thank you to Tommy. Thank you to the team over at Echo Tango. Shout out, Echo Tango. And no self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Fleur de Green do so much more than mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience, they do and do it well. Uh, they can also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape, or for more information, Call Florida Green at 504-240-8044. Email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you. Florida Green Lawn and Landscape. They love what they do, and you will too. I do. All right. Let's kick it around the boot a little bit. How about that? I'll go ahead and kick it off this week. So we had some news come out, and this is a team we haven't mentioned yet on the Boot Sports Network. The New Orleans Breakers, for however long they may exist, the rebirthed team in the modern USFL, their league is now going to merge with the XFL, Dwayne Rock Johnson's entity. And that announcement came last week, and we have yet to see how that's going to happen. We've yet to see how teams will be relocated or how games will be played, but it seems like there's a chance we might actually have a Breakers game now three years into their rebirth in this modern spring football league. Two things to that point. One, I'm intrigued by that news release because they said, quote, uh, more details for the new league. Is it not going to be the XFL anymore? Is, is it, it not going to be, be the USFL? USFL? Is it the USXFL? Is Whoa, it XFUSL. <laughs> that would be fun to say. How about that? I, what are they going to call it now? I'm very curious to see that. Uh, the other thing is, yes, please. 
uh, bring the breakers to New Orleans. I would love to extend my, my PA announcer services to call the breakers games, especially if it means Commissioner Dwayne The Rock Johnson finally comes back to New Orleans. I think that would be awesome. Absolutely. And this is a first here for us. We're going to talk about, uh, well, not the first time we've mentioned him, but our friend has now fled. He has found a home, and it is not with us. What? But it is in a artificial nest made high in the mountains of Denver, Colorado. Traquan Smith. Another after, one. After being sent, or released, we should say, sent yep. to Denver unintentionally. Uh, he found a home on their practice squad this week. So, Traquan, thank you for your time as a saint. We hope that you enjoy it now in the cold weather saints with Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean Payton giving him the DJ Khaled treatment. Is, is that the fifth Another former, one. The fifth direct former saint to head over to uh, Traquan, Will Lutz, Troutman. Troutman. There's a couple more. more. Yeah. I know there are. There's a bunch. There's enough that we're calling them the Denver Sean, Saints. stop stealing our players. So, well, no, but you can take the ones we're not using. Yeah, of course. That's fine. Uh, so, and here's some other news. This actually broke just moments Absolutely. before we sat down to tape. So you may or may not be hearing it here first. But I know we reported it first. Or second, anyway. Um, LSU safety Greg Brooks Jr. You may remember last month he underwent surgery to remove a brain tumor. Well, they got the results from that back. He's been diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer called medulloblastoma. According to the Cleveland Clinic, medulloblastoma affects between 350 and 500 people in the United States every year, most commonly found in children. Brooks is not a child. He's 22. Uh, he had successful surgery September 20th to remove that tumor, but apparently his speech and his ability to communicate have since been impacted, according to Dr. And Catherine O'Neill of Our Lady of Lake Health. She also said in a statement, quote, the surgery was successful in removing the tumor. There is no evidence that the cancer has spread, which is good news. As he begins rehab in the coming weeks, Greg's family and care team will determine a treatment plan in collaboration with nationally recognized specialists in the specific form of brain cancer. He has a long journey ahead. We'll need the full support of our community behind him as he faces this battle. LSU has set up the Greg Brooks Victory Fund where supporters can contribute to help cover his medical expenses. And that is us kicking it around the boot. I'm just looking at Donald right now because I know what's about to happen and it makes Donald very uneasy. We're going to unveil a brand new segment here on Boots to Balls. And we think we have settled on a name. I like it. Producer Brett likes it. Donald not sold on it quite so much. So Donald said he is going to... Hold on, wait. Donald said he's going to throw this one up in a Facebook poll or YouTube poll. YouTube poll. So uh, if you love the name for this new segment uh, about basketball in the boot, um, then you let us know that you love it. If you don't love it, help Donald come up with a brand new title. Producer Brett and I would like to call it Just the Tip. Now, Donald, as the producer, I need you to look straight into your camera and say it in the most sensual way possible. Ignoring the last part of that, here is just a tip on the Boot Sports Network. Or you could have said, and here is just the tip on the Boot Sports Network. Well, as basketball season gets going, <laughs> as the Pelicans return, it's to a train, play on words. It is a great play because on it's words. A tip off. The it's, tip of the iceberg. <laughs> it is the 
highest peak of the season, and we are about to slide down it as we graciously... You know, your usually fantastic skin tone... That's right. Not doing a good job and covering up that you blush. Don't so? You don't them. think so? Does Mama watch the podcast? Oh, I'm not saying that, but what I'm telling you is... What I'm telling you is there will be a passionate delivery of this Pelicans news. Let's get it going here. <laughs> In just the tip. All right, here we go. <laughs> so Zion Williamson, everybody gathered around as media day got kicked off and the Pelicans are the first out the gate. We also saw a few other in-house media days from uh, local college teams, be it Southern, LSU women's basketball, so forth and so on. It's basketball season, and we're going to do our best. As you know, this is a football-heavy show. We have a football on the logo. We're going to do our best to fit all of this into one package for you all. You know so, why we don't have a basketball on the logo? And why is that? Because if you kick the ball, it's a technical foul. It is. We don't, we don't like committing fouls here. Hey! No, we don't. No. but Well-versed in the rules of all sports. Absolutely. Uh, we saw a lot of different opportunities for players to get out there and talk. Some of them we haven't heard from for a while. And, you know, obviously, as we try and be both time efficient and give you as much detail as possible, I really thought it was impactful what we heard from David Griffin, from Trajan Langdon, from Zion himself as well as other players on the team that agreed with a lot of this. And there's many places to get those interviews. We'll put a few of them on the links in the social media pages. You know, I felt as though everyone's ready to turn the page. Last year, it was obviously a impromptu ending. You had a team that was first place in the West going into the middle of the year. And then sort of the wheels fell off and you were able to get them back on far enough to ride into a playing game. But once the time came to perform in Smoothie King Center, it just wasn't going to be our season, and we fell short. Now that you have Zion back, healthy, as he describes, he's been in New Orleans the majority of the offseason, and from what he said as well as sort of those in his camp, it appears that after the tumultuous offseason news with Zion Williamson, great innuendo for our first uh, name just of this. The tip. Just the tip. Good old Zion. I think it really proved a point on how he is being supported by his team. Because when basically the entire national media, the entire NBA community said, Zon, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, you had Griff, you had Willie, you had Trajan all say, look, we're going to take you in here. We're going to let you do your job. And you're welcome to come be around family, be around people who care about you. And, you know, even Zion said that, you know, it's sort of a new Thing for him because he oftentimes would you know be on different assignments be it with his uh, obligations from sponsors be it with you know just going to train in other parts of the country being here as well as the fact that he has a daughter on the way coming up this fall he's really starting to I guess uh, adopt that full New Orleans uh, aspect one of his quotes obviously is that you know it's kind of hard for him to continue to keep having to get up on the stage and say New Orleans is home for me this is somewhere I want to be and you know he's on his first year of the new extension you're going to be here for at least four years. You see other elements of the team also being locked in for a few more years. you got Brandon, I believe, two or three more, CJ as well. This is sort of the make it or break it year. And what are some of your thoughts as we hear some of this commentary? We're getting into, you know, the first preseason game within a week here now. But what's kind of your feeling on the Pelicans? So I'm anxious to see how things are going to break down. For those of y'all wondering when things actually tip off for the Pels, uh, it's this week. We're yep. less than a week away, October 10th is uh, their first game against the Magic. It's going to be at home in preseason, SKC. 
They've got the Rockets two days after that on the 12th, and I think those two games are going to be very telling. Um, we know CJ is is still out rehabbing the knee. Yeah, uh, Trey Murphy. Or excuse me, Trey Murphy. Yep. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Grand Theft, Jose mm-hmm. Alvarado. He's still dealing with some stuff that uh, he's on the, the mending end of that, but yep. he's, he's still going to be questionable for the season opener on the 25th. So... The Pelicans have learned how to play um, with injured players. Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't ever necessarily bode as well for them as if they had the, the best of. I think Brandon Ingram has had a tremendous offseason yep. doing things with, uh, with Team USA. And Jonas Valanciunas did as well, playing with uh, Team Lithuania. He took Team Lithuania very Absolutely. far in the World Cup. So I am excited to get all these guys back. Um, I Zion is a white snake for me. Okay. What I mean by that is I'm once bitten, twice shy. Mm. Obscure song reference. Google it, kids. Um, your parents listened to it on cassette. No, I did. Uh, I am. I'm once bitten, twice shy. He's He's been hurt too many times. I feel like I need to put him in a bubble. Okay. But I can't put him in a bubble because he's not going to be effective if he plays every game protected. Exactly. He needs to go out there and have that revenge game that a lot of analysts have speculated, or revenge season, rather, that a lot of analysts have speculated that he is tuning up for. Exactly. It needs to be that. Every game needs to be, I am Zion. This is why they got me. This is why they paid me. Exactly. When he got that max deal a couple seasons ago. uh, I'm not saying that he owes me anything, but it's time for him to, to earn that money. That's right. It's time for him to get out there and go, all right, you can put me in the conversation for household names like LeBron and for all of the other high-tier players. Giannis and Bede. Correct. Uh, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to play. And I think if, if, he, if he is that strong out the gate, of course we will miss um, our injured Pelicans players. Of course, yes. But I think it will be a lot easier to deal with with them not being there while they're gone. And one thing we alluded to, this was in a social media post that followed one of our kicking around the boot segments a few weeks ago with the restructured player rules for sitting out and winning in season awards. A lot of contracts are still based around receiving end of season awards, all NBA, all star designations. And then you look over to, of course, CJ McCollum, Mr. President, president of the players association, he partially put all this together as well as with other players. And I think it is now going to sort of restructure how we approach this as a team. Zion being a, and now not to say that he was going to sit for load management because he's 23, 24, I believe will be 24 this season. Yeah. He really has no business yet sitting for load management. Like you would see, players going into their 30s who have a lot more minutes on them, you know, he's going to have to show up for in-season tournament games. He's going to have to show up for national television games because he was designated as an all-star within the past three years. This restructures how the Pelicans think of their strategy. Same with Brandon Ingram. You see these players that are missing 20-plus games a season. That's no longer an option if you want to get these contract bonuses you have to be able to manage your health. You see the Pelicans, they just hired a new physical trainer. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, physical therapist to be on staff along with their medical team. 
So they are now bringing in the assets needed to keep these players healthy and to keep them ready to get back into the game as fast as possible. So are they missing these games due to injury? So in the Pelicans case, and producer Brett not being the biggest NBA fan, but we're going to get him there by the end of the season. Yeah, we will. Um, the NBA sort of has two aspects to it. You have players who are sitting for load management, which is basically them self-determining with the staff that it is better for them to rest than to play three times a week. So they might sit one game a week in favor of the thought that that won't cause a lingering injury. Yep. Then you have players who are actually injured. Players like Brandon Ingram suffered a turf toe, strange name, but basically hyperextension of the big toe. Um, he was out almost 30 games last year. C.J. McCollum had to have surgery immediately after the season. He was Zion. out. Zion, a little different. Because Zion well, wasn't feeling like Zion at the end of the year. Zion says himself he's now feeling like Zion. Well, and your term for the people who aren't actually injured but are out is load up? Load management. Load so basically management. they is say. Is that when the Monstars m- steal their basketball playing <laughs> ability? Well, you see, that, that gets in later. He does in the know year. basketball. He knows basketball. But yes. Um, I hit him high, hit him high, hit him high. <laughs> great soundtrack. That was you know, a good soundtrack. I think the Pelicans right now, without Trey Murphy, without Jose and Larry Nance, also it looks like he's going to be maybe ready for start of the season. You got three rotation players who are going to be sitting. If the core, CJ, BI, and Zion are playing, they're playing every night, they should not have trouble with those three out. I got three words. Herbert Jones. That's right. Everybody's forgetting about old Herbert Jones. You got Herb Jones. You have the new Jordan Hawkins. He probably won't see much early in the season. That's our new draft pick. First round out of Connecticut. Angel Reese's cousin, by the way. Shout out. Let's see what they do these first two games. We're not going to predict any Pelicans games yet, just due to the scheduling. We're going to see how we fit all that here on the show. But I want to review these Some housekeeping next two games. and logistics. Some I'm, housekeeping and logistics. I am anxious for them. I'm very excited for And them. we'll be giving you coverage here on the Boot Sports Network on Boots to Balls. So we all I'm saying real quick is that with the XFL USFL relaunch, we just need a relaunch of the ABA. That's all. All right. Well, we'll we'll put it to a we'll, vote. We'll, I guess. We'll, we'll gather our pennies and see we'll, what we can we'll do. We'll run it up the flagpole and we'll see who cares. Uh, <laughs> you ready to look back? Well, so hold on. before we do one last oh. thing, uh, while we're while we're giving everybody just the tip, uh, you might see some names that you don't know on the uh, on the court this season. One of those, very briefly, could be Devin Kennedy. Uh, the Pelicans have announced that they've signed him to a camp deal. Uh, what that basically means is uh, he is a non-guaranteed player who's going to get a chance to show what he can do, uh, and he's going to get an A contract with the team's G League affiliate. So the NBA has a G League. Those are like the minor league teams where not our players, not our main roster players, go to play, enhance their talents, and then we call them up when they're ready. Uh, ours, by the way, is the Birmingham Squadron. That's the name of our players. Absolutely. Uh, we got Devin Kennedy from the Lakeland, now the Osceola Magic, which is the Orlando Magic G League team. And for those of you wondering why uh, the Orlando Magic's G League team is the Magic, why isn't our team the Pelicans? Well, fun fact. There's many names for a group of Pelicans. They could be a pouch, a scoop, Ooh. a fleet if they're fishing in groups. Or a squadron. A lot of nautical terms there. A there lot you go. Of nautical terms. All right, friends. That was 
just the tip. Not bad, Donald. Not bad. All right. Might be growing on me. (laughs) No, you cannot say that. You cannot say that. Well, you can say what you want to say about it on our YouTube poll. Please go over there. Check it out. Vote. See if you want to stick with the name or if you want to recommend something else. I'm telling you, with all the innuendos, I think he's currently liking it. Oh, yeah. I he was, likes. I was forced. Don't you. To stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's time to look back. We are running off the road. How is it I'm going to be the most mature one here? Not. No. Mm. Negative. Mm. But I do like to. Never mind. <laughs> Looking back. <laughs> Looking back, uh, it was a very interesting week. We predicted six games. UL at Minnesota, UL Monroe at App State, Nichols McNeese, Tulane UAB, LSU Ole Miss, and Saints Bucks. All right, coming into it. We'll start with UL at Minnesota. Mm. Final was Minnesota 35-24. Oh, just missed. 35 to 24. Uh now. You won by virtue of picking the right team. Yes. I said UL 27-20. Um, but more impressively, that was the closest prediction we have had so far. How about that? On the show. 35-27 was Donald's prediction. <sighs> Missed it by three. And they were pushing two. Minnesota would have kicked that damn last-minute field goal. Uh, so congratulations. Ding. Donald gets the first one. UL Monroe versus App State. That was a big one for us. I didn't realize that you two had such App State love. Was that, was that App State out of North Carolina? Look at your boy. North Carolina. Now that I have a voice, I can do it. Woo! Come on, Justin Roberts. Do it with me. North, North Carolina. Carolina. Uh, bring that back. Please bring that back. All right. Um, UL Monroe, App State. That was a much closer game than that I think was any of us expected. Absolute. I mean, if you watched it, and for those of you who did, you were in for a treat, especially after watching that LSU game because it came, yeah. it ended right after. By the way, um, wow. Let me tell you this: that was to the wire. You had basically last second offensive, just having to heave it down the field, getting the ball snapped and clocked. It was back and forth. But how did it end? Last second field goal. App State wins 41-40. How about them nears? You know what's what's crazy? You know who had the best prediction on that one? Who was it? Old Ding Dong down the way. Mm. Producer Brett hit that one. I said 38-13. I was off by 30. You said 38-10. You tried to price is right me and it Eh. bit you in the butt. Brett said 35-21. Was only off 25. So ding for Producer Brett. He gets one. And I'm just looking to get on the board. It'll happen. Don't you worry. Nichols McNeese. Mm. 31-10 Nichols was the winner in that one. We split it. I uh, I said Nichols. You said McNeese. Yep. So by virtue of me picking the right team, I won. But if you'd have said Nichols over McNeese, you'd have won. You were off by 13 points. I was off by 16. 27-22, 28-20. All right. So time. everybody's got one. Time for somebody to step away from the pack. Tulane UAB 35 to 23. You said two, we both said Tulane in this one. You said 30 to 10. You were off 18 mm-hmm. points. 36 to 16. It was a touchdown and a point off. Oh. So I was close. Not as close as your Minnesota prediction. No, not not nearly. But I'll take the ding for that one. So I've got two now. LSU Ole Miss. We gotta Something about six points. Talk about it. Six points victory. 55 to 49 Ole Miss. Now, we all picked LSU to win this one. 
We were all wrong. So when nobody picks the right team, we go just to point differential. That's correct. Uh, I said 38-24, way underscored it. I was off by 42. Brett, also uh, wrong, both in his simulation and the brain of Brett. Uh, he said 42-21 was the brain of Brett. He was off by 41. The LSU simulation, 32-28, was off by 44. Donald, 52-38. You were only off by 14, so ding to you. Two to two to one down the way. How about that? The last game, Saints versus Bucks, Saints and Bucks and then... 26 to 9. Strange score, by the way. Very strange score. And sadly, you know, who picked up this one again? Well, who could that be? Hey, hey, Tampa Bay. That turd. Producer Brett was the only one to say Tampa Bay. And he said Bucks by three, which was not even close. It was Bucks by like three possessions. Uh, 17 to 14 was his final score. We said 31 to 29 uh, was yours. You were yep. off by 17. Mm. I said 19, 17. I was off by 15. Producer Brett ends up uh, doing pretty well. How about so that? we split it evenly. Two to two to two for everybody. Good job, y'all. Uh, how it stands overall, uh, because of that one lucky week where I went six for six, I am in the lead 16 for 30. Donald, you're 12 for 30, catching me up. And Brett... Yep. Four for 12, because he doesn't do all the predictions. All right. How are you guys doing at home? Y'all doing well with your everybody, predictions? Everybody doing good? Everybody doing good? Y'all ready to, to pick some more? We got five more for you. Let's like end it said, strong. Tulane on the bye this week. They are idle. Idle. So we will uh, we'll sit them to the side. We will pick them uh, next week. La Tech at Western Kentucky. That's where we start this week. It's no, at, at La Tech. Oh, it is? Oh, I got that one wrong. At the Joe. La Tech and Western Kentucky at La Tech. It is a conference matchup between two three-win teams. Uh, statistically, they seem very evenly matched. Yes. Not horribly far off in total yards versus yards allowed. If there's any good news for Tech, it's that the Hilltoppers are giving away almost 500 yards per game. If they can exploit that, they come home still undefeated in Conference USA play. Uh, for this one, I disagree with the books who like uh, Western Kentucky in this one. I, I almost read it like I wrote it. I just agree with the books who like KY in this one. They're also apparently fans of our new basketball segment. Yes. But I've learned already this no. season. <laughs> Did the grenade go yeah, off? No, that's necessary. All that right. was necessary. I, I have learned this season uh, from very early on in past poor predictions. You don't bet against hungry dogs. Mm. I'm picking La Tech in a close one, 36-29. home dog. Well... We forgot to mention this in kicking around the boot. Shout out to Smoke Harris. We've mentioned him earlier on this show. One special teams player of the week in Conference USA. So very good on Smoke Harris. And uh, I'm predicting another big week from him, from the, and I'll be in, I'll be honest, injured Louisiana Tech offense. That you had Bachmeyer, their starting quarterback. He had to miss last week, so they were playing their backup. And still managed to take the win, by the way. So, I, you know, I'm going to have to make a difficult call here. And I don't like doing this, but we saw it earlier in the year. And obviously it was first game against FIU way back in August, if we recall, way back then. Taking the dogs at home. But I'm not going to have them cover that six. Well, they will because it's, a, you know, they're dogs. But anyway, you get the joke. 33-30. 33-30. Ooh, I like that one. All right. Keeping it close. You're doing it again. You realize that? Yeah, I know. God, I... Not on purpose, but because I'm a winner. Ah. How'd you do this week? 
Uh, Todd with everyone else. Hey, I guess we're all winners. winners. All right. Second game, ULL versus Texas State. The Cajuns mm. host the Bobcats in a Sunbelt Conference matchup. UL looking for their first conference win after taking an in-conference L from Old Dominion, 38-31. Texas State is 4-1, 1-0 in Sunbelt play after a strong 50-36 win over USM last week. Both teams have the ability to put points on the board from a statistical matchup. Cajuns offense could exploit a Bobcat defense that they're allowing 432 yards per game. UL averages about 453. The books think that this one's going to be close, given the home field one-point spread to the Cajuns in a relatively high-scoring shootout. I'm going to keep it close, but uh, I think I'm going to give the edge to Texas State's very powerful mm. offense in this one. I'm going Texas State 38-33. Well, Cajuns are going all black this week. They're asking fans to wear black to the game. They're going to pull out some nice fancy uniforms, and I like teams wearing fancy uniforms. So I'm going to take the Cajuns in this one against my better judgment. No offense, ULL. (laughs) But I don't think that it is going to be quite as offensively of a juggernaut as we believe. I'm going to simply say 35-30. Another 30. 35-30. You like them 30. I like the 30. And you also like keeping it three points away from me. Jeez, and Pete. Mathematical anomaly. No, no positive recognition up here. All right, fine. We're gonna. I'm gonna let you go first okay, with this. Absolutely. One. SU versus FAMU. Southern versus Florida A and M. It's gonna be a Capital City Swackdown when Florida A and M Rattlers come to challenge the Southern Jaguars. FAMU's four and one, a perfect three and zero oh in swack play. Southern is two and two, also. Undefeated in the SWAC. Both teams have fair offenses, but the Rattlers averaging 27.5 a game. Points, that is. The Jags posting just under 18. What makes this game interesting is the SUD. Even with a 500 record, the Jags are only allowing just under 13 points per game. Their last two wins over AAMU and Arkansas Pine Bluff, who, pardon yep. me for a moment, has a badass marching band. Yes, they do. Brett, you were at the Saints game this past weekend. Yes. You remember the uh, marching musical machine of the Mid-South? Yes. The halftime show? That's their band. Oh, that's awesome. They were outstanding in the Dome this past Sunday. Amazing marching band. So shout out to you guys. Um, but Southern has only allowed five points per game in the, their, their last two wins over AAMU and Arc Pine Bluff. Five points per game. Ten points in one and a zero in the other. The FAMU D, no slouch either, only allowing an average of 15 points per game. I see this, uh, man, it's, I'm not going to say anymore because I don't want it to influence your prediction. Okay. Give me, give me where you think it's going to go. Okay. This is a big one here for Southern. You're going to have ESPN's HBCU version of College Game Day come out on Friday. They're going to be on the bluff, so you're going to be able to go out, interact. They're going to have they're gonna have the marching band out there, dancing dolls, the whole team. Everybody's going to get excited. going to be a big weekend. Obviously, always a big game whenever FAMU comes to town. And look, I'm going to say it. I don't think Southern can win this. I okay. really don't. You saw FAMU give a very strong performance against FBS talent. They went 24-38 against USF. Same team that held Alabama to 17 points. By rule of proxy, I must say that they just have enough to itch past Southern at the end of this, 27-24. All right. You're giving all your games A shootout. Shootout this weekend. 
I see this swack down being all about the defense. Okay. And I see it being very low scoring because of it. I'm going to rest on the defenses to let them do what they've been doing, and somebody needs to get ready to buy Southern kicker Joshua Griffin a very fancy steak dinner because your boy about to put in work. Okay. Southern's going to win this one 15-13, all field goals, Ooh. five of them. 15-13. 13? 15-13. 13. 13. Yeah, that's okay. a touchdown and two, two field, field goals. Two field goals. Okay, just making sure. There will be one touchdown scored. It is going to be a defensive battle, I believe. No, no three field goals, two safeties? I mean, you never let's know. not get silly. Let's not get silly. Let's not get silly. <laughs> a game that Actually, is, let's get silly, because yeah. now we're starting to get into the ones that I don't know that I want to predict. Yep. Number 23, mm. LSU at number 21, Mizzou. Mizzou. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Missouri is an unexpected 5-0. and o. I don't believe anybody thought at the beginning sneaky. of the season that was very sneaky. Uh, they only have one SEC win though in yes. that five and zero, and it's against the SEC powerhouse Vanderbilt. Drop anchor. So uh, otherwise, their last three wins have all been by seven points or less. Mm. So they're sneaking some wins out. They're not. They're not blowing people out. The best battle thus far was handing South Dakota their only loss of the season, thirty-five to ten, back in the season opener. Missouri is not as good as their record reflects. But honestly, as of late, the Bayou Bengals, eh, they haven't been as good, at least on defense, as they're supposed to be. Jaden Daniels and the high-powered offense don't have problems putting points on the board, averaging 44 a game. That's six more than most the, than the most points Missouri has scored all season. Yes. Like their highest scoring game? Nope. Mm-hmm. They haven't hit 44 Can't touch once. It. Can't touch it. Uh, I think that that only gives LSU the edge in this one. Um I'd like, I'd sure like to have our defense travel for this one too, uh, but I guess we'll see who shows up. I'm gonna hold my prediction because Brett's holding that mic, so he's got something to say. Mizzou is five and zero. I said undefeated that. in SEC play. You, you are, are still real correct good about. And you are amazing. I know. How do you come and up with these stats? I, I'm only bringing this up <laughs> because you didn't play NCAA because, yet. Because <laughs> yes, oh, but you also. son of a. But also because the wrath of Brian Kelly is coming out this weekend. Q one winged angel, if you know that song. I see no less than 42-21 LSU. 42-21 LSU. Okay. And that's right off the brain of Brett, who has no simulation. This time, I will do it. Check it out on Instagram Reels. Coming Friday. Picture it didn't happen. All right. Donald, what say you, good man? Um, well, LSU has a great offense. They have a team that desperately needs to gel on one side of the ball. I'm going to give an extra prediction here. The score plus one statistical category. While we have certainly had a team that is competent when it comes to stopping, you can look at Arkansas when we stopped them on the goal line a few times. We even had a few good defensive stands against Florida State momentarily. This, and for what it's worth, we held Mississippi State to 14. We're not entirely out of our league. I haven't seen a lot of pressure on that front line. Fair. I'm predicting LSU three sacks. Okay. But the defense still has massive holes in it. I'm going 44 to 38. 44-38, but three sacks. LSU wins. Okay. 
we're actually not too far apart, all of us. I think you're giving uh, Mizzou a little bit more credit than Brett and I. Um, Brett said 42-21. You're at 44-38. I'm at 45-27. Oh, how about that? In this one. Uh, I think I think LSU wins by double digits. I think Missouri scores more points than they should. Uh, they get closer than they want. I don't think they're going to get quite as high as you, though. Yeah. I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to break 30. I think God, the wrath of Brian Kelly, Kelly. Uh, maybe is a real thing. We'll see it. Uh, 45-27. I like it. Saints Pats, the last game. Before I get into breaking this one down, you in on the prediction for this one or no? No. All right, Brad's out. <laughs> you don't want to bet on it? Actually, you see, I'm torn <laughs> because I want to root for the Saints for the success of the show. But you remember you're a bandwagon Patriots fan. Correct. And I also remember Tom Brady's no longer there, so I can't make people mad by rooting for them. So I'm going to say the Saints come back, even though my heart says I'm a very patriotic American <laughs> who loves Bill Belichick. That's even worse. The um, first one was fine. I, uh, <laughs> despite me wanting to say the Pats by three, more like 13 after this game this weekend, I'm going to go ahead and say the Saints by six. Do you want to give scores or just Saints by six? Let's say Saints 27 to 21. You're out of your mind. <laughs> You're out of your mind. We're sitting here yelling, begging for the Saints to break score 20. Score a touchdown. Yeah, to, to score a touchdown, to break 20, something they haven't done all season, and you're going to put them on the precipice of 30? Blake Groupie they going no for They no longer uh, have Tom Brady, and the Pats are almost as bad as the Jets this year. Well, that's a good take. That's a good take. That is a good take. How and about that, that? We're also almost as bad as each other. Yes. That's statistically exactly. speaking. All right. The Saints went from 2-0 and to 2-2. and Saints fans went from hopeful to hoping for a change. Something has got to give. Uh, we're going to Foxborough to take on the 1-3 and Patriots, whose only win this season was a 15-10 to squeak by over the Jets. The only real difference is that the Pats' losses were to Philadelphia, a Super Bowl team, Miami, a potential Super Bowl contender, and Dallas, who I hate to say it, are also contenders to go deep into the playoffs this season. Uh, no. I think they could be. They've been playing pretty strong. It has, I hate to say better it. Better than usual. That's for certain. Dallas blew the Patriots out 38-3, to but then they hung with Philadelphia and Miami, losing by a touchdown or less. Both teams have defenses playing very well right now, offenses with no identity whatsoever. Caesar Sportsbook gives New England the one-and-a-half-point edge in a low-scoring contest, and lately, honestly, I don't blame them. No. If the offense doesn't post 25 or better and win this game, I think it's going to be a very long flight home and an even hotter seat for Dennis Allen. Uh, you want me to go first? You want to go first? I'll go first. Um, look, I don't know what to expect from this. New England's pretty banged up on offense as well as them just having a uh, lackluster season. Mac Jones has thrown four interceptions. I don't know if that necessarily will be enough. I, you know, I'm seeing you have Alante Taylor. You're starting to see some guys getting healthy in the secondary. Marshawn's back there. Look, I think you're going to have to get defensive help to win this, and I, I mean that by a scoring help, either scoop and score. 
Is pick six. Yeah, pick six something. You, Let Rashid Shahid break another one. Exactly. This is not going to be done exclusively by the offense, but I'm going to, again, foolishly assume that the offense will get at least two touchdowns. I will wait for my punishment on Sunday. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just say Saints 24, Patriots 23. And I, and I mean, honestly, like – if, if they ended up, you know, going wide right on a extra point or missing a two point conversion, that would be that would be how I see this going. It's not going to be pretty, but uh, I am picking it to also cover the forty. So you know, it's over under right now. We'll see what happens. Uh, it, it'll be a long game. Get a good beverage. I think this one stays in the under. You do. I, yep, I would pick under all day on this one. I, all day. Please don't wish that upon anybody. I mean, I first of all, I'm not giving anybody betting advice. I do not gamble. I cannot gamble. Please do listen not. to the disclaimer at the end of the show. Well, no, not even that. But yeah. I, and I'm, you, personally. I'm not, I'm not giving betting advice. Yes. This is this is me making a prediction out of fun. I don't think that they're going to hit 40 points. I, the offense, I don't think it's going to happen. They're not going to hit 20 this week. I'm begging for it. It's not yeah. going to happen. Mm. It's not going to happen. The defense is going to hold New England's offense is not good enough. I don't think they're good enough to put 20 on this defense. I don't. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be 36 points total score. Okay. Saints, please. Please. 1917. 1917. I'll I'll take it, but I, I just, just score two touchdowns. That's all we're asking. I, and I feel like the way the narrative is being written it needs to be just so that the Saints give a win yeah, to take just the edge off of the fact that your offense is still not producing. Because it's going to be a long week yeah. if it doesn't. Correct. All right, those were our predictions. We yep. want to hear from you. Agree, disagree, you got your own totals. Make sure that you let us know what they are. You can hit us up if you've got questions, comments, or to include those predictions, or if you just want to be part of the show want us to – Shout you out when we kick it to the comments when we start things off. Absolutely. You can watch and interact with us on YouTube. Take the audio-only version of the podcast with you wherever you go on services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and others. The easiest thing to remember and tell all your friends, bootsportsnetwork.com. That is your front row VIP ticket to Boots to Balls and all things Boots Sports. That's where you can leave those comments, questions, and predictions and find us in your preferred podcast arenas. No matter where or how you listen, make sure you like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on all your favorite social media channels, including TikTok, which I don't know if actu- is actually... Is it in the ticker yet? Is TikTok in the ticker? I don't put Chinese spyware in the ticker. Hot takes from producer Britt. Anyway. Well, we put our videos on Chinese spyware. So make sure you follow us on TikTok at Boot Sports Network. And uh, you can also follow me individually, David Storm, PA. Yep. You got the ticky-tocky, don't you? I do not. I use the Boot Sports Network, so. Fair enough. That works. Anyway, follow us, like us, subscribe. Check out all our comment. Have a, uh, all of our content. Have a great Boot Sports weekend, everybody. And we will see you next time. Same Boot Sports channel. Yeah. Right here for another episode of Boots to Balls. Just a tip. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.